What's up, Ace-12? Man, it feels so good to be back with you guys. Woo! I, uh, thank you for everybody who prayed for me last week. I was stuck. I've been enjoying my time in Haiti with 15 females from Ace-12 and three of us guys, us poor guys. It was, uh, we named our Haiti trip last week Estrogen Islands. And uh, but we're all back safe. Thanks for your prayers. I hope you called up on some of the stuff on social media. I'm excited because tonight we're beginning a new series called Alive. And uh, this series actually centers itself around the Word of God, the Bible, which I'm excited about us exploring the next couple of weeks. And now all of our messages and all of our teachings center around the Bible. But this week, we're, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about what, how does the Bible speak to us. We're going to talk about what is the Bible, how do we read it, how do we study it, how do we get into it, how do we get something out of it. And so that's what we're going after in this series. And so I am pumped. Who is pumped with me? Great. Now, uh, I got a question for you. How many of you in here have pets. Just raise your hand. Any kind of pet you have, raise your hand. You got pets. Most of you in this room have pets. Okay, okay, put your hands down. How many of you in here have, how many of you have dogs? Where are my dogs people at? Yes. <laughs> All right, put your hand down. How, how many of you in here have cats? Where are my cat people at? <laughs> We're praying for you. And uh, <laughs> there's a couple of guys that are like, uh, I got a cat. It's my mom's. I don't like it. Um, Okay, okay, here's the deal. How many of you guys have an animal that is not a cat or a dog? It's a different type of animal, all right? All right, all right. what you got? What do you got? Guinea pig, what you got? A brother, your brother. Yeah, I get you, man. What you got back here? Yeah. I can't hear you. What you got? A rabbits. That's right, you got rabbits. And, and so frogs, we got frogs. What you got back there? Rabbits, rabbits. All right, cool. All right, that's enough. And uh, so, so people have different pets. Listen. I grew up on a farm, and so our house had animals everywhere. We had a chicken coop. We had like 50 chickens. We had goats. We had donkeys and ponies and horses and cows. We had chickens and ducks and peacocks and parakeets and you name it. Like we had these animals everywhere around our house in our house all over the place now I will tell you of all of my experience an animal dumb my least favorite animal growing up was a fish there's a fish who's, who's got a fish who's got a little fish tank yellow fish in it don't act excited like fish are awesome right like like listen let me tell you let me tell you about my fish right like, I, we had this little, like, you know, little fish tank thing, and, and, and in our fish tank, we had all these different kinds of fish, and, and one of the things about the fish tank is, is that those things get nasty, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to clean them all the time, you know, you got to, you know what you have to do to fish? You have to feed them. Did you know that? Like, your cows, they're just out in the pasture, they just eat the grass, you don't have to feed cows, right? And you have to feed the fish, and, and that makes the tank even nastier, and you have to change the water, and, and like, listen, I would come home from school. And I have a bunch of friends over at my house. Never, not one time in all of my life did I say, hey, guys, you want to go, uh, you want to go pet the fish? <laughs> hey, hey, guys, hey, you want to go look at the fish tank? You guys want to do that? Does that sound like fun? Like that never happened ever. The only thing I thought fish were good for was eating them because they're good. 
or catching them when I go fishing, right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's go fishing. And, uh, and then, and then, I went to an aquarium. Has anybody ever been to an aquarium before, like the Georgia Aquarium or something like that? Bruh, that place is crazy. Like you go into the aquarium and, and it's got you like you got your own little fish at home, whatever, but you go into the aquarium and you are amazed. Like I was amazed. I was blown away. I was like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I mean, they got they got fish that change colors and they got fish that change shapes and they got tiny fish and they got gigantic fish. They got a whale shark up in that place. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. They got beluga whales and, and all these other things that you can't pronounce. All kinds of fish everywhere. You're just looking around, and there is just this massive amount of fish all over the place. And you were like, man, this is awesome. I had never thought fish could be so awesome until I went to an aquarium. And the truth is that the only thing that changed is my perspective. That's it. The only thing that changed was my perspective. See, the scope, the size of the aquarium, I got to kind of see all the intricacies of, of, of the habitat of all the fish and to see them all together, and it just opened up some things to me, right? Like my perspective changed. That was the only difference. See, it's interesting. You couldn't pay me money to sit at home and look at a fish bowl with fish swimming around it. You couldn't pay me money to sit there and watch fish swimming in a bowl. But people line up at aquariums almost every single day and pay money to go into these aquariums to look at fish. It's different because the perspective changes. And tonight, what I want to talk to you about is I want you, I want to help you change your perspective on what you think the Bible is and how you view it. Because I think many of us in this room look at a relationship with God or we look at reading the Bible like, it's just looking at a boring little fishbowl with fish swimming in it. This is boring. I mean, come on, let's be serious. And I would submit to you that the Bible is like an aquarium. That when you change your perspective, it unlocks all of this stuff, and you begin to be like, whoa, man, this is amazing. Like, this is unbelievable. Like, this is earth-shaking. This is life-changing. This is history-shaping. I mean, this is amazing. It begins to unlock all of this. When you begin to understand the right perspective. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Because this is what I know. I know that all of you come in here with different perspectives. You come in here with your perspectives on school. You come in here with your perspectives on the future. You come in here with your perspectives on politics. And you come in here with your perspectives on God. And your perspectives on the Bible. Some of you, your, your thoughts about God are, maybe it's kind of like you're just over it. You're over the idea of church. You're over the idea of God. Maybe you like went to church when you were a kid. Maybe your parents made you go, kind of like I was when I was a kid. And I was over it. The moment that I had a chance to just get out of there, I got out of there. I was over that stuff. Maybe for some of you, your perspective is you're bored with it. Yeah, man, I've heard the stories. Like you're not going to tell me anything new. 
Like, yeah, I come because I like my friends and I hang out with them. But truthfully, man, like this faith thing, like it's kind of boring for me. Some of us are disappointed. We see other people and we see God doing crazy things in their life. And we hear them talking about this adventurous, uh, unique, life-changing, transforming relationship that they have with God. And then we look at ourselves and we're like, dude, my experience doesn't line up with what this dude is saying. And there's others of us, we're hungry. We're hungry, man. We want more of God. We want more of that adventure. We want more of what God says that he is in his word. We want more of that. We want to get after it. We're hungry, and we're hungry for more. Now, the truth is, some of us are over it. Some of us are disappointed. Some of us are bored with it. Some of us are hungry, but most of us in this room probably don't fall in the, man, I'm hungry category. And for some of us, I think it's because of perspective. I think it's because of perspective. See, I think it's like this. We look at the Bible. I just about took out a guitar. And we look at the Bible, and, and we see the Bible as these different things. We're like, oh, yeah, the Bible is just like, a, the Bible is just like this like, you know, big history book, and it has all this history about places and people and, and stories and all this kind of stuff. And it's just kind of like this outdated history thing that I'm just not really concerned with. In fact, I hate history. Who wants to read more history? And so, so I don't read the Bible because of that. Or, or maybe it's like this old book. This is an old book. It's like this old book. It's kind of like you picture it like, oh, man, that's the book that, like, my grandmother reads. You know what I'm saying? We look at the Bible like it's a 1960s sweater. You know what I mean? You're like, dude, I want to be called dead in that thing. You know? And so it's kind of outdated to us. It's like, that's how we view it. That's how we see it. For some of us, we see it, we see it like it's just some, like, self-help book or a, a leadership book or something like for that for us where, where it's like, hey, man, I'm going to read it just to get a little nugget here and there or whatever. And for some of us, we look at the Bible like it's like a magic eight ball. You know, like it's sitting over there on your shelf or, 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 you know, under some stuff in your room, under a pile of clothes. Don't play. I know. And uh, under a pile of clothes in your room. And one day you're about to get married. Your wife's going to make you clean all that stuff up, man. It's crazy. Anyways, and so it's sitting under a pile of clothes and, or it's in the corner collecting dust. And then what happens is crisis happens in your life. Or all of a sudden it's like, man, I got to make a decision for college. What do I do? And, and you're like, well, I mean, like the pastor talks about God speaking through his word. And so you go pick up the Bible and, and you open it up. And it's kind of like this like magic eight ball, you know, and you shake it up. And you're like, oh, like do, I, do I go to UGA? Better not tell you now. Yeah, and, uh, and then you shake it up again. You're like, man, that verse didn't really help me. And you shake it up again. You're like, uh, God, can you tell me? And you open up the Bible. And you're like, do I go to UGA? Absolutely not. That's what, that's what, you know, we look at it that way, right? Like we, we look at it like it's a magic eight ball and, and we just go to it for that. In fact, I even hear people say this sometimes. Oh man, God spoke to me. I was in my room. I don't read the Bible. I hadn't opened it in years and, and I had a decision I had to make and I walked over to the Bible and I just opened it to one page. I closed my eyes and I just opened it right in the middle and I began to read. And that verse spoke to me. Now here's the truth. This is what I believe. I believe it doesn't matter what page you turn to, it's going to speak to you. Because this is God's word. It wasn't just the page that you went to and the verse that you went to. You could have opened it to any page and it would have spoke to you. Because every time I open it, it doesn't matter the page, it always speaks to me. Others of us, we look at the Bible like it's like a four-leaf clover. I picked this thing earlier today and it is sad panda right now. <laughs> and we look at it like, oh man, like, like it's, like, it's like a lucky charm. 
The Bible's like this lucky charm. You know what? It's like, oh, yeah, all right, I'm going to text this girl, man. I think she's, she's cute, you know, and all this kind of, we text her, and, and, and then we put our phone down, and we sit the Bible on, like, you know, this is going to, like, give me luck if the Bible's on it, right? Like, I remember, like, I wasn't even a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until I was 17 years old. I remember that when I was a kid, it would be like this. It would be like, it'd be like hey, man, hey, man, you're going to, you, gonna, hey, if I eat this, you're going to give me five bucks. Yeah, man, if you eat that, I'll give you five bucks, man. You promise? Yeah, I promise. You swear? Yeah, you swear. You swear on your mama's grave? Yeah, I swear. Do you swear on the, the Bible? And, and it'd, be like, it'd be like, oh, man, all right, now it just got real. It just got real, right? Like I wasn't even a Christian. And I was like, dude, you don't swear on the Bible unless you're telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like the Bible kind of has this little bit of respect, but it's almost like this luck thing. And it's like, hey, if I have the Bible close to me, you even see soldiers that go off of the war. They're not even believers in God, but they'll have a Bible with them as if it's to give them luck because the Bible is in their presence. But what if the Bible is more than that? What if God intended for it to be more than that? What if it is life-changing, earth-shaking, history-shaping, all of those things? What if it is that? What if it's more than just these ideas that we have about it because we don't know it and haven't been in it? I would submit to you that it is. In fact, this is what I would say about the Bible. I would say that the Bible makes us alive. That there's nothing else in your life that you can do or, or, or put into who you are that is going to make you more alive than the Word of God. That it has life. It speaks life into your soul. It speaks life into the depths of who you are. In fact, the Bible even tells us this about itself. If you've got your Bibles, you can open to Hebrews chapter 4. It's on page uh, 1204 in your worship center Bibles. I'm sorry, 1206, in your worship center Bibles, Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> now, the book of Hebrews was actually a letter that was written to some early Christians in the early church who were new to the faith. They were Jewish Christians, hence the name Hebrews, because they were new converts to Christianity from the Jewish faith. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to them, and he's telling them uh, some of the truths that they need to know about Scripture. He's teaching them about it because they had questions. What is Scripture? What is it about? How can this change my life? And this is what he says in, uh, in Hebrews 4.12. He starts out and he says this. <clears throat> For the Word of God, the Bible, is alive and active. It is living and active. Stop right there. For the Word of God, the Bible, is living and active. Now, this is fascinating because no other book in all of history claims this about itself. Basically, it's saying that the Word of God is alive. Now, when you start thinking about that, you're like, come on, all right, bro. Like, that sounds a little weird. Let's be serious. Like, the Bible's alive. Not like it's going to, like, grow legs and walk across the room alive. You know what I'm saying? Not creepy alive. And the actual book is not alive. It's actually the words that are on the page. It's the words that are powerful. But it is this. That God's word is powerful and it's alive. <clears throat> Think about it like this. When God spoke, stuff happened. God's word is alive. The Bible starts with God speaking creation into existence. God didn't have some cosmic Play-Doh up there that he just kind of formed together and said, boom, here's the mountains and here's the trees. No, God came up with it in his mind and he said, trees, mountains, water, 
people, ocean, whatever. He named it and it was there. He spoke it and it came into being. It was not there. He spoke and it was there. God comes to this guy named Abraham and he says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And Abraham's like, what are you talking about, bro? I'm like 75 years old and I don't have any kids. I don't, how am I going to have descendants like the sand on the seashore or like the stars in the sky when I'm 75 years old? Can you imagine your 75-year-old grandpa having a kid? That's gross, right? And God says, no, 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 listen. When I speak it, that means that it's going to happen. And Abraham had a son, Isaac. And the cool thing about it is we get to unlock the story and we begin to see that he became, Abraham became the father of the nation of Israel. That the Israelites became from his descendants and, and, and even the Arabs came from his descendants through Ishmael and God began to, to do all of this stuff through the descendant line of Abraham. God comes to Moses and he says, hey, listen, Moses, I want you to lead my people out underneath the slavery of Egypt. And God uses Moses to do that. God did what he said he was going to do. And then when they get out of slavery, God says, listen, I want to give you some rules. I want to give you some laws to govern your land. And so God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. God spoke it into being. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. The Ten Commandments are the foundation of the laws and rules of every nation on the planet today. Every one of them. You can go and remove a statue of the Ten Commandments off the deck, off the steps of a courthouse. You can remove them all. It doesn't matter. The foundation of the Ten Commandments are in the laws of every nation on the planet. Thou shalt not murder. Is that in our laws? Thou shalt not steal. Is that in our laws? All over the Bible, all over the governing authorities of all the lands that we have, we see these commandments that are there in place because they make sense. God spoke it and it happened. And then Jesus comes on the scene. God in the flesh, God humbles himself, comes down in the flesh as Jesus. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Actually, what we know about the Bible in John chapter 1, verses 1, it says, And the Word became flesh and made its dwelling among men. In other words, the, the written Word became the living Word, Jesus. And when Jesus spoke, things happened. He spoke and diseases were healed. He spoke and the wind and waves and a storm obeyed Him and stopped. He spoke and people raised from the dead. When He spoke, stuff Happened when he spoke, people's lives were changed. And when he speaks to us through his word, our lives are changed even today. In fact, some of you know this firsthand. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, man, I feel like God's talking right to me? Maybe he's doing that to you right now. I've had students come up to, come up to me almost every week after service. Man, dude, I needed to hear that. I feel like God was speaking right to me tonight. It's why when we come in here, I preach God's word. I open up the scriptures. It's not that I have anything creative to say. It's that God has all this creative, amazing stuff to tell us. 
and we give it to you through his word. And that begins to penetrate your heart and it begins to open you up to understanding and your perspective begins to change. And you're like, wow, man, that felt good. Man, that was great. I want to experience that again. I wish we had H12 every night. And God's going, you can have H12 every night. All you got to do is pull your Bible out at your house, open it up, begin to read it and let me begin to speak to you. And you can have H12 every night in your home. Yeah, you can clap. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Because <laughs> the truth is, and you can write this in your notes. If you're taking notes, God speaks to me through the scripture that I read. God speaks to me through the scripture that I read. I mean, it's crazy to think that the God of the universe would choose to speak to me. That he would choose to give us his words so that we can hear his truth. So that it can shape us and change our perspective. Now some of you in here are saying, you know what, Derek, man, I haven't really heard God speak to me lately. Recently, I feel like things have been silent. And I'll tell you, it's difficult to hear the voice of God in your life. When the Bible, when the word of God is sitting on the shelf collecting dust in your room. It's amazing that for many of you, it's literally just a couple steps across your room and a couple minutes in his word that would literally begin to break through in your life to give you victory over things you never thought you would get victory over, to get perspective on things that you never thought possible. And it's right here, right here at your fingertips. He keeps going. He says this <clears throat> in that verse. And in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12, he, he goes on, he says, For the word of God is living and active. And he goes on, he says, Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This verse is saying this to us. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's penetrating to our soul, to our spirit, to our joint and marrow. It judges our attitudes and thoughts. This is literally what it's saying. It's saying that when you read the Bible, it is like taking a sharp, warm knife through butter as it cuts right to the core of who you are, to the deepest parts of your being. It cuts to your mind. It cuts to your heart. It, cuts to, it even says that it cuts all the way to the marrow, all the way to the marrow. Do you know what marrow is? Marrow, that's right, marrow is the gooey stuff that is inside of your bones. Now, the cool thing about marrow is, is that marrow is what makes and creates blood cells in your body. That's the design of marrow. And literally what the scripture is saying is, is that, that the word of God penetrates to your heart, to your mind, even to the depths of your marrow, to all parts of who you are. This is the power of the word of God, that it is alive in you when you read it, when you soak it in, when you hear it, it becomes alive, it wells up in you. One of my friends, who's actually the, uh, uh, the student pastor at our Sugarloaf campus, Steve Walton, Many of you know him. He's a stud, amazing youth pastor, amazing husband, amazing dad, amazing man of God, an awesome friend. And Steve was, uh, Steve was sharing a story with some of us other youth pastors. And, and I was like, dude, i got to share this story because we were talking about this particular passage of Scripture. 
And he was talking about a friend of his wife. He has a, his wife's name's Catherine. He says a friend of his wife is a 50-year-old lady named Miss Karen. And they have this really special relationship with each other. And he said that uh, Miss Karen got this devastating news at 53 years old that she had leukemia. It's like cancer of the blood. And this is a devastating news for them and for, for their, you know, obviously for Steve and his family, but obviously for Miss Karen's family as well. And so they were doing all this treatment, and actually the situation got pretty grim. If she could not get a bone marrow transplant, then she was going to lose her life. So they found a donor for her, and they gave her a bone marrow transplant. And what's super cool about this story is, is that all she knows about the donor who, for the, for the transplant is that it was a 35-year-old guy from Europe. That's all she knows about the donor. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is he said that they went in and they did a biopsy of the bone marrow and, and of, her, of, her, of her, you know, her stuff. They went and did, the, did a biopsy just to see how is the cancer spreading? Is this, is this just done what it needs to do to kind of fix this? And what they found in the biopsy is, is that the cancer was gone. Pretty awesome. What they also found in the biopsy is that her chromosomes were no longer female, but they were male. That literally by putting a man's, uh, uh, putting a man's bone marrow in her, it began to change the chromosomes in her body so that her chromosomes were male. Crazy, right? Crazy. That literally she was more like the 35-year-old on the inside than she was like her former self. And guys, listen, this is the Word of God. This is what it means that it gets into our marrow to the depths of who we are. That literally when we begin to soak it in, if you were to take a figurative biopsy of, of our life and who we are on the inside by taking in the Word of God, that literally our life becomes more like Jesus than it does like us. That we become more like Him, that the way we see things, the way our perspective is, the way our life is, it becomes more like Jesus than it becomes like us. Because God changes us through His Word. It is alive in us. And I can tell you, I cannot tell you any more the importance of the Word of God. It's the reason. When we preach from the Bible here on Tuesday night, it's the reason when someone gives their life to Christ or maybe you're in this room and you don't have a Bible, that we have tons of extra Bibles that we will give you so that you can have a Bible for yourself. It's the reason why I get up and I spend time in God's Word every single morning because it gives me life. It breeds life into who I am. It instructs me. I remember when I was in high school, 17 years old, a brand new Christian. And I remember opening up the Bible because I had major struggles. I had major baggage. I had major regret. I had major stuff that was in the past of my life that I didn't know I was going to be able to get past. And I opened up the Bible and I began to read his word. And God began to show me his grace. He began to show me his forgiveness through his word. That I didn't have to live in that regret anymore. He began to show me about temptation and all the temptations I had and began to show me that I can have victory in him, that I didn't need to settle to, be, to being defeated all the time because of the sins and temptations that I had in my life. I remember when I got to college. And I was dating a girl all through college for about three years of my college career. And I remember when we broke up, 
because she cheated on me. I remember how devastating that was for me. I remember how heartbroken I was, and I went to the Word of God. And God's Word began to heal me, and He began to say these questions to me. As I would read through His Word, He would begin to say, Derek, do you trust me? Do you have your faith in me? Am I enough for you? Do you trust me that if this girl's not the one for you, that I got somebody ten times better for you? And you know what? He was right. Because I hadn't met Megan yet. And she was ten times better. A hundred times better. A thousand times better. And I would have settled for less than what God had for me. But God had a better plan, and I had to trust him. And I remember that when Megan and I got engaged, I remember going to the Word of God, and I began to read all every scripture on what it meant to be a husband, what it meant to be a, a, a leader of the family, what it meant to be that in my home. And I read those scriptures so that it would shape how I treated my wife in our marriage. It would shape my perspective on how my marriage would be. And I remember when I found out that my wife was pregnant, I remember going to the Word and looking up all of these different things on, on how to raise your kids and, 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 and all the stuff that you should pour into your kids and the importance of, of a father being present in the home and for a mother being present in the home and all the things the scriptures would teach us in that and how to raise up our kids so that they will not depart from his ways and I began to read that and it began to change the way I thought about having kids and it began to the responsibility of it begin to be put into the right perspective and I promise you that every area of your life will be changed if you open up the word of God and you get into it and you allow it to penetrate your heart some of us have this false understanding you I put this in your notes the scriptures for our punishment it's all about all the rules and all that kind of stuff. Scripture is not for your punishment. It's for your protection. It's so that you can understand that God wants the best for you, that he has the best life for you, a better life for you, and that living under his authority, living under his, his, his love is more significant than anything else you could ever do in your life. And this is what I know to be true. God has hopes for me and God has hopes for you. And today, I want God's word to start changing your life. And so I'm going to challenge you with a couple things. I'm going to challenge you with a couple things. The first thing I want to challenge you with is this. Have a plan. Have a plan. You can go and download the YouVersion app, and they have Bible reading plans on there and all kinds of stuff, and it's easy, it's accessible. Maybe you already do that. Use that and continue on doing that. If you're like, man, that sounds too complicated, no big deal. I put a Bible reading plan. It's the yellow piece of paper on every single one of your chairs tonight. There's plenty in this room. If there's not one on your chair, you can grab one off of another chair tonight. And this is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you for the next 30 days to commit to spending 5 to 10 minutes in God's Word, opening up His Word, and, and going through this Bible plan. Now, let me give you a couple things on that. The first thing is this. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. 1,440 minutes in a day. If we cannot give God five to ten minutes, let's be serious. If we say he's a priority in our life, I'm not saying give him 100 minutes. I'm not saying give him an hour. I'm saying give him five to ten minutes. Get into his word and watch it begin to change you. I think what you'll find is as you go, you're going to keep staying in longer and longer and longer and longer. Not because anybody's telling you to, but because God's word is going to start changing your heart. It's going to start changing your mind. It's going to start changing your life. It's going to be challenging you. Now, on this piece of paper, you'll see 
I put Luke chapter 1 through Luke chapter 24, and I put Ephesians chapter 1 through Ephesians chapter 6. If you've never read the Bible before, I challenge you just to do that line. But I also put some Psalms and Proverbs on there. You can supplement that. If you're like, hey, I want to read a little more, read the Psalms. If you want to read a little more, read the Proverbs. i got a reading plan that I wrote specifically for you guys, and I'm excited about it. In fact, I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to join you on the next 30 days reading through this Bible plan with you. So take this Bible plan, be serious about it, commit to doing it. Now, this is another thing I want to say on it. If you miss a day, it's not the end of the world. I missed a day, I screwed up, well, I'll just forget about it. No, no, no. God understands, right? He's patient with us. Just start the next day. If you miss two days, start the next day. Don't allow yourself to get defeated because you messed up and missed a day. In fact, you didn't mess up because you missed a day. You just missed a day. But set some priority time and make sure that you do it. It is important to be consistent. And that's the second blank that you have there. Be consistent. Have a plan and be consistent. It is important to be consistent. Set apart a time during the day where you can know that you can commit to it every day. Maybe it's setting your alarm clock 10 minutes earlier or not hitting your snooze one or two more times like you normally do. You know what I'm saying? I know that's going to be hard for you, but make a commitment to do it. I guarantee you, you will start looking forward to that time every single day. 30 days, that's my challenge to you to do that. Now, when you read it, I want to give you, a, I want to help you with how to process it. So also on your chair, there's one of these little cards. It says alive on the front. And on the back, it says read one chapter of scripture and ask these two questions. What does the Bible say about me? And what does the Bible say about God? And so as you read through these, this scripture, Start with those two questions. Now, you can do more, and you can journal, and you can pray, and you can spend way more time with God if you want to. That's, that's completely up to you. I don't want to stop you from doing that. You can do as much as you want, but, but I would ask you guys to commit to at least doing this. So take this with you. This might be something cool where you can put the Bible reading plan in your Bible, put it a place where you'll see it every day. And this might be something cool that you can put there where you can see this every day as well. In fact, I think it's awesome to take something like this, put it on your mirror in the bathroom so when you go in and brush your teeth, Hopefully you do that in the mornings. Uh, you'll see it right there in front of your face, and it'll be a reminder to you to make sure that you get in the Word that day. Now, I personally brush my teeth in the morning and at night. I know that's crazy. Uh, and and so, so, so I would put this on my mirror so I'd at least see it twice a day. That way, if I ignored it in the morning, I can't ignore it in the afternoon, you know what I mean, or in the evening. So that's my challenge for you. It's a 30-day challenge to get into God's Word, to let God's Word begin to shape you, let God's Word to begin to change you because His Word is alive. And it is alive in us, and it is alive through us. It's alive. So, God, I just want to pray over these students tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your Word. What a gift it is to us that you didn't leave us hanging, wondering who you are. You didn't leave us hanging Wondering about how do we get saved. You didn't leave us hanging with these major questions in life like why am I here? What is my purpose? God, you gave us truth and you gave us answers. And Lord, not only did you give us answers to the big questions of life, but God, you give us answers to the biggest questions that we have in some of the darkest, deepest moments of life. And Lord, I pray over these students I pray, God, that every single day they would get into your word. That you would speak to them and through them in that time. 
God, that they would be able to begin to see a change of perspective, even a perspective that they have on the Bible. That they wouldn't look at the Bible as just a meaningless little fishbowl with a little fish swimming around in it, that they would say, you would never pay me to look at that. But God, they would be like the believers in China when I was talking to one of my friends who said that they would sit in a cave for hours listening to him talk about God's word and teach them God's word because they did not have a Bible. That they would have paid every dime in their wallet. Hearing them talking about how when they, they asked them their story that every single person almost in that room had been spent time in prison one person five times for just believing in Jesus and having access to scripture God we live in a free country that's not us we have access to the Bible every day many of us have multiple Bibles in our home may that not be us give us a hunger for your word for those people that are in the room tonight Lord maybe they're seeking they're discovering trying to figure this thing out Lord, I pray that you would help them just to lean in, that you would speak to their heart, that they would ask questions, that they would keep coming, that they would keep discovering. For Lord, you tell us in your word that if you seek me, you will find me, if you seek me with all of your heart. So God, I pray that right now over these students, would you change us, would you mold us, would this series be, as we look back in our lives in the future, would this series be one of the most defining moments of our life, as it will be the first time for many people in this room that they had a consistent time with you. And I know it's going to change them. So God, I pray for that in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.